0: We're back. Just like I said, we we'll would be back. Sport KC one This is For the Glory KC, where we bring a mix of in-depth Kansas City soccer knowledge and a more casual perspective. I'm Chad Smith, Associate Editor at KCSoccerJournal.com. It's going to take you a little bit more in-depth. And I'm joined, as always, by my wife, Sheena, who gives us that casual perspective. Sheena, what's up?
1: Hey, Chad. I thought I was getting a nickname when Sporting won.
0: I forgot. You're right. Ugh fail should we just do it all over again no let's keep going all right so on today's show sporting kansas city win i think i mentioned that we're gonna do rapid previews of the sporting kc and the kc current games this weekend and we're gonna take your mailbag questions so i say we get right to that victory conversation we're recording on a Wednesday, but that game happened on Tuesday. The U.S. Open Cup, Sporting Kansas City, defeated a fourth division team, the Tulsa Athletic, from the NPSL by the scoreline of 3-0. to zero. Were you ever in doubt, Sheena?
1: I was in doubt, if I'm going to be completely honest.
0: I mean, you predicted they were going to lose. So you were definitely in doubt.
1: Yeah, I did predict they were going to lose. I wanted them to lose. Like, I didn't want them to lose, but I kind of did. Wow. I know. I kind of did because I just wanted to see what would transpire if they lost. Like, would someone get fired? You'll see in a little bit when we talk about Dom Dwyer, but like I kind of thrive on drama, like especially celebrity gossip. And this is Uh, like my version of I knew that
0: about you already. Of course, you watch the Real Housewives of everything.
1: I'm sharing that with the listener, though, who probably doesn't know me. But like I do love trash TV, although I don't watch it as much anymore but I do love drama. So I just wanted to see what kind of drama may brew if there was a loss or even if it was a draw, but yeah, it was a good game. It should have been considering it was a fourth division team and if you were following me on our Twitter account, I really enjoy the fact that Ali and Jake were doing the game. I know you can listen through some way. I've never tried, and I probably won't because that's too much effort. It's
0: literally but one button in the Apple I <laughs> in the Apple Season Pass. Again,
1: I am lucky that I know how to get to the games. If we're going to be honest here, but yeah, this is I so like true. For hear- somebody
0: that's had technology <laughs> since you were like ten years old, like owned a computer, you're so bad with technology. Y'all, it's because I'm not home for the home game. So she doesn't know how to like press up, press the little button where you for the audio and then pick your audio track that you want. It's very easy. Very easy. Uh,
1: Yeah, I'm not great with technology. But yeah, so I liked hearing Allie and Jake. I miss that hometown flair at halftime when they tell the stories. There was a lot like it reminded me of the things that Apple is failing in having that YouTube game. But Yeah, it was a good game. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, to my own question of was I ever in doubt, I was very much in doubt whenever they gave up a penalty kick right off the bat. Well, not right off the bat, obviously, but it was very dramatic in the sense that they were in complete control of the game. I was like, man, Tulsa can't even get a hold of the ball. And then literally the first time I can remember them getting the ball immediately play it over the top. Sporting is caught out in defense like they always are. John Poole's camp takes down their striker. And I'm thinking, oh great. It's going to be a red card. He's going to be sent off and they're going to find a way to lose this game. But somehow it was no card. I asked John about it after the game and he said, yeah, it should have been a yellow card. And I was like, I guess you're not going to be upset if the the ref doesn't give you a card that you you deserve. And he said, Yeah, I, I don't think it was a red. So I think it would have been a moot point because I, you know, goalkeepers are not going to get extra cards. Like it's pretty pretty rare, but there were a few other moments in the game where they played it over the top and, and sporting struggled to deal with it. I actually asked Peter about that post game and he was talking about, he actually admitted what I said was right. I said, it's kind of unnerving those balls over the top and the defense didn't deal with it very well. And I think against a better team, they probably score on you. And he, he said, yeah, I agree with you. And he thinks it was a real problem in the first half. And he thought it was because Fontes and Castellanos were afraid. like They were playing very tentative because they had both gotten red cards the last games they had each played in, which I didn't think about that, but it's true. Fontes got the red in the previous game, and he was the replacement for Castellanos, who set out his previous game because of the red. And He said that he had a talk at halftime and that he thought they both did a lot better with it in the second half. And I don't know if that was more because Tulsa was behind at that point or Tulsa was tired because they're amateur players. Their coach told us after the game, they practice from 8.30 to 10.30 three times a week after these guys get off their regular jobs because this is just a hobby for them. Kind of like this podcast or the soccer writing that I do. Can you imagine trying to be an athlete? So was I in doubt? A little bit, but then once the goal went in, I kind of it, it led up. It looked like Sporting took control, and then they really took control in the second half when they had their rhythm. They probably should have scored six or seven, frankly, but I'll take yeah. three. I saw people saying you got to fire Vermees if he doesn't win at least three nothing. So I guess he's off the hook. He saved one more, a couple more days at least.
1: It felt like once they that Sporting got their second goal, which I think is the Polito goal, uh, at that point I was like, yeah, it's going to be hard for Tulsa to overcome the like when they were down by just one goal I was like they might have a chance but at two I I felt like their chances of winning for Tulsa were very slim at that point and I like a good underdog story I kind of wanted to see them win just Allie and Jake were sharing stories about the team and the coach and all that and so like I don't know I felt like a kinship to that team and I was like maybe they're my whatever division fourth division team I I'm not going to follow them, but I'll root for them. Yeah, I was going to say, it, don't
0: act like you're going to watch NPSL no, games. I don't even know if those are on TV or the internet or anything, but no, maybe in Tulsa. But
1: they still have a chance to... I don't know if they get to move on, but they have a chance of winning twenty five thousand dollars because there's two teams in their level still in the competition. So I forget it's like Cincinnati or Chicago or some city with the C, I think if they yeah, lose, yeah, something in
0: Chicago is playing one of the teams. If I'm remembering, right. yeah, I don't know. Okay, maybe it's like it and is. it might be another Chicago lower division team that they're playing. I don't yeah. remember, but yeah, if but both if those they, teams lose, yeah, you're right they get the money
1: they get. Yeah. So I want them to get the money. I'm rooting for them to get the $25,000. And then just one thing Ali said, um, uh, after the broadcast is that they, their overhead costs for Tulsa athletics is between 50 to $75,000 a year. So that 25,000 would really serve them. Well, I think it would open up a lot of opportunity for them. So That was kind of exciting, so I'm rooting for them to get the money.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm absolutely for that in the one sense, but at the same time, I love the idea of some upsets. So if one of these other teams were to upset, they all have probably similar kind of underdog stories. The player, you know, the teams that are coming from the fourth division are mostly not professionals, not getting paid. So they're all kind of in a similar boat. we'll see how it plays out, I guess. So I I will say it looks like Chicago House AC. That is the team that you were referencing. They're losing three nothing as we record this. So not looking good for them, but looking good for Tulsa getting some money then, I suppose. Yeah. All right. So let's talk some other stuff that happened in this game. Gadi Kinda made his return. So I wonder if he was planning on returning. Peter was planning on playing against New England and then there was the red card and he couldn't put him on. So in this game instead, did a little different. He started Gadi kind He told us after the game he planned to play him for 20 or 30 minutes. He ended up playing about 30 and then he was subbed off. What do you think of your limited viewings of Gadi Kinda?
1: Yeah, he looked fine. I don't really have any complaints about him. And I'll say this, I didn't really have any complaints about anybody on the team last night. Like nobody, in my opinion, I thought played bad. I don't know that they all played great, but I. it's not like I walked away and I was like, yeah, so-and-so sucked. So I think that's yeah. progress.
0: I don't know that anybody played particularly bad. The center backs, like we talked about, they struggled a little bit. And then at the beginning of the game, I was pretty frustrated with Shallowy and Polito because I I stand for those guys. I root for them. I pull for them. But they were just... Their touches were so off. Like everything was off. Their passing was off. They were shooting poorly. But then Shallowy did get that first goal. And it's kind of a a weird knuckling shot, tough for the keeper to deal with. I wonder if a better keeper keeps it out. No offense to the the keeper that's playing for Tulsa, but you know, somebody that's a professional that's doing this day in and day out. Maybe, right? Maybe it goes a little bit differently. So I thought they were a little disappointing. As for Kinda though, I, th- I sh- he showed sparks, right? He's still rusty. You can tell he hasn't played in a long time. This felt like a good opponent to kind of show off some of his skills. You could just see his little step overs and quick moves and turns and moving into space and kind of attacking. I would hope to see more of him. We'll see you know, how quickly he bounces back from this game if he needs the weekend off or if he's going to get a few more minutes on the weekend. I don't know. I- I'd like to see him pushing... Eric Tommy for that job or maybe playing next Eric Tommy that might be interesting too Speaking Let's... of Eric
1: Tommy poor guy can't score to save his life. Like I felt bad for him because I'm pretty sure he got brought on to maybe help his confidence and he did not score and he had so many chances and he just couldn't get the ball in the goal. So I feel really bad for him that he is just struggling so much. And I don't think he had to have left that game feeling any better about what's going on with him.
0: You know, I, I agree to a certain extent because he was pushing really hard. You could tell He was just making such an effort because he came on late in the game, yet still was pushing to try to score goals. You could tell he wanted one so bad. That said, he had two really good passes that should have been assists that the players that he got the ball to failed to finish. I think one was Johnny's in the box, if I'm remembering right. And the other one was Sebastian Cruz, who was up from Sporting Kansas City, too. I talked to Sebastian. It, you know, obviously, he's happy he gets to make his first team debut. But he had such a golden chance. And he said, Yeah, I just caught it with the heel of my foot and didn't hit it with the right part of my foot. And it, it, I drug it wide. But it was promising from tommy and i think even though the assists don't count because the people did not score them i think there's something to kind of add to his confidence and he was playing in a different position he's playing basically what for me said he was playing him in a false nine but he said he kind of played the role as a real striker like he planned on him dropping in and and playing in the midfield but then he ended up like just kind of being like a proper striker okay let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with more for the glory casey And we are back. All right, let's get into the preview of the weekend games. We're going to make this rapid fire, and we are going to get to the mailbag for y'all. Sporting Kansas City are hosting CF Montreal this Saturday, 7.30 p.m. at Children's Mercy Park. Montreal played last weekend and got their second win of the season. They were tied with Sporting for the least amount of points in the entire MLS, but they beat the Red Bulls and by a score of two to nothing. Uh, they're still last in the East, so they're still quote unquote a bad team. All their other games are losses. So on the season, they have two wins and five goals. So better than Sporting, but not very good. They're dealing with a pretty atrocious injury list as well. As of last week, the reports for this week haven't come out yet. Uh, so, uh, striker Mason Toy's out. Winger Romel Kyoto, you might remember him from the Houston Dynamo. Oh, I hate that guy. He's always always causing problems. Samuel Piet, one of their midfielders, uh, Lassi Lapaline. He's another winger. That's all I really have on Montreal. Sheena.
1: Chad, do you think sporting's gonna win? What's your prediction?
0: I think if they don't win, it's gonna be bad, but I don't know that this team showed me enough against the fourth division team to show me that they're gonna win on the weekend, personally.
1: They're gonna lose. I'm just saying.
0: All right, the negativity continues. <laughs> Sporting wins, it's not enough for us. All right, let's talk about the Kansas City Current. They are also playing at home this weekend. Busy home games this weekend. They're playing against New Jersey, New York, Gotham. That game's on Sunday, also at Children's Mercy Park. 5 p.m. You can watch on Paramount+. Plus. I didn't say it, but it should go without saying. Sporting City on MLS Season Pass, always. The Current are facing a lot of their former players in this game. They traded Lynn Williams to Gotham before the season for the pick that they used to draft Michelle Cooper. Uh, They're... Centerback Kristen Edmonds left as a free agent to join Gotham, and last year they traded Victoria Pickett uh, kind of an attacking midfield type player to Gotham. Also, former goalkeeper Abby Smith, who was mostly a backup, she is over at Gotham now. They also have a couple former FC Kansas City players, Christy Mewis. You may know her, a sister of Sam Mewis, U.S. Women's National Team player, and Shaniad Fairley. Uh, Sinead, you might remember, she was out of the ML. Oh, I'm sorry, out of the NWSL for I think it was six seasons. It was part of that like harassment situation. Like she was one of the people that was sexually harassed by Coach Paul Riley. And a great story for her to be able to come back from that. Now that he's out of the league, she's back in, she's playing, she's representing the Ireland national team. Very cool for her. Few other big players to keep an eye out for in the Gotham game. They have several former and current U S women's national team players. In addition to the ones I already mentioned, uh, midge purse. She's a contender to start on the wing. Ali Krieger, Ali long and McCall Zerboni. So all have played for the national team at one point or another Gotham are currently in fourth. Uh, I'm sorry. They're one point out. The first place they have nine points on the season and they are six points ahead of the kc current who have three points and are still in 11th place but the current two straight wins one in the league play and one in the challenge cup so hopefully they'll continue that form sheena any kc current thoughts
1: i think it'll be a draw
0: Okay. I think a draw wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, although you're supposed to win your home game. So hopefully we see more, you know, Dabinia magic. Some of these players get back from injury and we keep seeing improvement at home. It would be an important one to win because they're going to have to play Gotham on the road later. The NWSL is actually really balanced in that you play every single team twice in the league, not counting the playoffs, not counting the Challenge Cup, where you get a home game and an away game. That's how a lot of the leagues around the world work. So it's more fair than places like MLS where, you know, if like the Eastern Conference is really good, then those teams beat up on each other all year. And then the West is just getting off easy or vice versa. All right, let's go over to our mailbag questions. Our first mailbag questions comes from Drew Vanderbloog. You may know Drew as the host of the podcast, Home and Away. Drew said, can I get five minutes on Ethan Bryant? So you may have wondered if you watched the game, why have we not talked about Ethan Bryant? This is why Ethan subbed on for Gotti Kenda around the 30th minute in the first half. He played the entire rest of the game. He is a Sporting Kansas City 2 signing. He came over from the Richmond Kickers. This is kind of an interesting thing about Ethan. He was acquired via transfer fee, which you don't see that very often in the lower divisions of American soccer. So Sporting went out, spent some money to get a guy and kind of stashed him on the 2 team. Sheen, I think you did a little research on Ethan. Anything you want to add to my very quick bio?
1: Yeah, so Ethan Bryant, a.k.a. The guy with curly locks who may one day take over Graham Zusi's best hair on the team. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Chad's like shaking his head and like at how ridiculous I am, but of course, some well, he- hair tweets, hair, hair, hair yeah. comments,
0: hair tweets. Yep.
1: Yeah. Anyways, so just to make Chad and I feel old, he was born in Longview, Texas, on August twentieth, two thousand one. He's five eleven and plays midfield. He signed his first contract with San Antonio FC back on Valentine's Day of twenty eighteen when he was just sixteen years old okay so he made his debut with the team on may 23rd 2019 in an open cup match against the colorado springs switchbacks and then here's something that i found to be impressing about him he is san antonio fc's youngest goal scorer of all time so when he or which is when he scored in september of 2018 against the seattle sounders too He was with San Antonio FC from 2018 to 2021, but he was loaned out to the Richmond Kickers. Like Chad said, he played 13 games for them and signed a contract with the Richmond Kickers back in 2021. In 2022 season, he had 28 appearances with the team and he was named USL League One Player of the Year. Um, When he won that award, he had completed 75% of his passes. And then in December of 2022, that's when Sporting KC2 acquired him. And then just some stats for those who are into stats. During his time with San Antonio FC, he had 19 appearances and two goals. And when he was with Richmond, he had 43 appearances and three goals. He also played with the U.S. Under-18 national team in 2019 And so far for Sporting Kansas City 2, he's played 215 minutes. He's had four appearances, one goal, and he started two games of the season. So that's... Really, all I could find on him, it was really hard to get some info. Somebody needs to interview him.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because we got to talk to him after the game. So I did get a chance to talk to him. And yeah. I'll tell you, the first thing that we said to him it is a quote from Peter Vermees. Vermees, during the press conference, said, quote, Ethan from the midfield, I think he was probably our best player on the night, end quote. He went on to say some other stuff about Ethan. We told him that and he was kind of taken aback. He was like, really, he was like grinning ear to ear. It was, it was pretty cool, you know, you' you're that young and you're getting a chance to come up and play with the first team. I mean, they only brought three guys up and he was in the game the earliest. I'll tell you, I've watched all of Sporting Kansas City Twos games this year because I have a problem and I just try to consume all the Kansas City soccer that I can. I'll soon be showing up at Soap Park watching the academy (laughs) wherever they'll let me, but he has looked real good out there. Now, he's not the fastest player. That's something that stood out to me in the first game is he's not as quick, but seems to read the game really well, and he has this calm about him. He would be under pressure. Those SKC2 games have been kind of frenetic at times, like end-to-end turnovers. They're going, side, you know, end-to-end on the field there, and he stays calm. He'll be under pressure, and he plays you know, calm, smooth balls out of pressure. And then he looks like more of like a creative number eight midfielder. I kind of asked him about that too. Like, where does he see himself on the field and what's his best position? He said, where I was playing today for sporting, he subbed into Kinda spots. He's basically playing that left-sided dual number eight, more like attacking eight roll where you're getting up the field a little bit more, a little more dangerous. He delivered a really good ball. I can't remember if it was to Polito or I think it was Shallowee maybe making a little run, just a quick little slip pass. He was involved in a pass that led to the ball going to Shallowee that went on to be the assist for the Pluto goal, if I'm remembering right. So you all got to see a little glimpse of it if you watched the US Open Cup last night, but very, very promising, uh, very calming and very Benny like to me, I asked him about like, what's the difference between Benny and and Peter as a coach, and he was just talking about how their similarities. So he didn't take the bait on what the differences were, he talked about how they were similar. So I thought that was funny.
1: Do you think Sporting Kansas City will sign him to a long term first team contract? Like, Probably not this season, but in the the future. And this is a question from Colin. His Twitter thing is called Gatornator, which is fun.
0: You know, I saw that question a few times on Twitter yesterday. They were all saying, sign Ethan, sign Ethan. I don't know if they're going to do it right now. So where Sporting's roster stands right now is they have one roster spot left that they can clear easily by just placing Courtney Ford on the season ending injury list. So they could add him then they'd be out of room to make, quote unquote, a big move in the summer, unless they cut or trade somebody else, transfer somebody away, something like that. I don't know that they're going to do that right now. I think the sample size with him is so small. I'd like to see him play more for Sporting too. People are kind of, they're very excited, of course, right? Because he played really well. And I don't want to knock him because I think he played fantastic. But you have to remember the level of competition he was playing to. It's a fourth division team. We're knocking the other guys down for not getting more goals, not having more assists, not running over this this Tulsa team further. So I don't want to get carried away, but I think there's promise there. Uh, Daniel Sperry asked him about that. when we were in a little scrum interview with him. And he said, you kind of bet on yourself leaving an independent team and coming to a two team knowing that the goal is to make the first team? And he said, yeah, absolutely. This is this is where I want to be. And this is kind of my ambition, of course, is to get moved up to the first team. And I don't think you go spend money on a transfer. We don't know what the fee was. It's probably not." a massive amount of money when you're talking about buying a guy from a third division and moving into another third division team. But there's, there's something there. So... That, uh, that tweet that I quoted the Vermees thing, though, that got a lot of attention, a ton of replies. So, well, for me, like most of my tweets go unreplied to. So getting a, even a few replies, I get excited about it.
1: Cool. Well, what's the next question?
0: All right. So the next question comes from Blaine Riffle. He says, how confident are you in the interim current coach to take over and lead another playoff run? And I don't know, Sheen, if you have thoughts about this, but I just don't know enough about Caroline Hitterbloom. I'm not sure if I'm getting that right, Caroline. I'm trying uh, <laughs> to be able to kind of assess. She said in the game on Wednesday where they beat the Houston Dash on the Challenge Cup, they just implemented the game plan that was already in place, right? It happened the day of the game. There wasn't time to change things. They beat a bad Orlando team on the weekend. So for me, I I don't want to put too much weight on it. It is what it is. I have hope for her that she'll end up being good, but I don't want to get my hopes up. But you'll see how she handles the system. She said she wanted to put him into a four back. So we'll see.
1: I have no thoughts on it, but I have another question that is along the lines of Casey Current. So this one is from Jeff Rawls at Rawls Jeff, maybe. I can't read because the font's too small and I'm blind. But with Casey Current, have we... Ever definitely heard what is wrong with Sam Mewis. Is two years in, is her career over? What do you know, Chad? You
0: know, unfortunately, we don't know very much. Speaking of the new coach, hopefully she'll be a little more forthcoming. When we would ask about Sam Mewis, when other members of the media were asking about her, they were pretty tight-lipped. And they, I mean, it seems like she's going to miss this entire season. And they Essentially, bought out her contract and brought her back at a low minimum type number situation so she could rehab with the team, as far as I can tell. She's not in Kansas City. She's not with the team, but it seems like they're paying for some of this stuff and they paid for the value of her contract, probably to clear some roster space too to make other moves. I don't know. It could be a career under. My colleague Fad Bell over at KC Soccer Journal, he always says, I don't know if Sam will ever come back. So hopefully we'll be able to get a little bit more information or more transparency from the new coaching regime. regime. All right. Next question on the list here is from Matthew Shepard at Matthew 79012535. Why can't we develop talent in the academy? This is for sporting. It seems like a massive failure that doesn't get enough airtime. I struggle to disagree with what you're saying, Matthew. It's been a little tough these last few years. I'll give one kind of theory, and then I'll tell you what Peter always tells us. So My theory is that COVID screwed a lot of things up. Some academy games weren't played. I remember there was some like cancellations for a while at times. There was a big problem with the guys that were developing that were on first team deals, not getting loaned down to play consistent minutes with the second team because they had to keep the rosters separated because of COVID. They don't have people crossing over and passing COVID from one roster to the other, all these complicated things. So I think there's part partially that's it. Then the other thing that I think is that Peter doesn't consistently play these guys, but again, maybe they should have been playing with the twos and they weren't getting a chance to get loaned down there. We're just seeing a lot more of them loaned down this year, which I think is promising. Seems to mostly just be home games so far. So we'll see if some of those guys start going on more road trips. And then Peter always says it's because of the whole academy setup where you are restricted to either scout only in your area or your territories, which sporting used to have all of Missouri, but now they've had to cede some of that to St. Louis. They used to have that Kansas, Iowa, nebraska and oklahoma i believe which if you think about it not a lot of people in any of those states really compared to the like the la galaxy they get 75 miles from their stadium and they probably have more people in that 75 miles than kansas city does in this whole region not to mention much easier to scout within a 75 mile radius than it is to go multiple states and travel around and watch these games peter obviously has the option to scout out of his state and you can see that there's guys like jean lucabuzio is the biggest example where he was scouted out of north carolina just like just Jalen Lindsay came out of North Carolina. There's a couple Michigan kids, Caden Pierre, Jake Davis did mention Jake, by the way. I thought he played really well as a right back, subbing in for Zussi against Tulsa. So I don't know how much there is to that. They've opened up the rules a little bit on where you can scout. Teams can only protect, off the top of my head, I want to say 54 players in their territory. It's like X number per 15 per age group, something like that. And then another, I don't know, six or seven that are outside of their academy that they want to sign but won't sign. So that's still 54 players you can't get a hold of, but the 55th player might be better than maybe the fourth or fifth guy in the Kansas city's actual homegrown territory. So that could be promising for the future, but I think hopefully y'all saw from seeing the way Bryant played, even though he's somebody they went and acquired uh, Seba Cruz, Sebastian Cruz played well, I thought for the very limited minutes he was on the field that there is talent there. And if you watch some of these SKC2 games, they've been playing really well, really well this season. Sheena doesn't know about the academy, huh?
1: Yeah, I have nothing to contribute. But I do want to share one update since we were just talking about it. It's official that Tulsa Athletics is winning the $25,000 prize and um, for being the furthest advancing open division team. So congratulations to Tulsa on their $25,000 win.
0: All right, there we go. On to the next question from Connor Bateman at Connor with a K3 on Twitter. Hopefully the win and goals can transition into league play. Do you think right now the best center back pairing is Rosero and Volitor Also, I like, oh, okay. I'll go to the second half of this question later because it's completely different. I actually already wrote an article that isn't out as of this recording, saying Rosero and Volador should be the starting center backs. Fontes has not been impressing me. He just got the red card. We all know he's not very fast. I think Volador is a faster version of him. Maybe not as good of a passer yet, but he's also 21 years old. Let's give the kids some time. Put him with Rosero, see how they play out. Castellanos hasn't been impressive to me. He's fine. He's fine. He's a backup. He's not a starter. Volador could be the starting left center back. And now that Logan and Dembe's back, I'm hoping that Robert Volador will be a starter.
1: Yeah, I'm fine with that as well. I'm every game I for the most part I like Baladair a little bit more.
0: Yeah, he's had some mistakes. Like I bagged on him for not covering the back post a couple of games ago and letting uh, Christian Espinoza score a goal on him, but. He's playing at left back at the time. He just doesn't look as comfortable out there as he looks in the center of the field. And he has not even played left center back this season at all. He's been playing on the right, but he's very left footed. So he, if he plays on the left, I think he'll be better. The second part of Connor's question is quote, I like how Klein on the galaxy. He's talking about Chris Klein said he would step down if they don't make the playoffs I think Jake Reed needs to make the same statement. So about that, it's kind of an interesting one to me because Chris Klein is the president and Jake Reed is the president, but they don't really seem to have the same job responsibilities. Chris Klein appeared to be the sporting director or, you know, the titles are all gray in soccer. Sometimes they call it a general manager. Sometimes they call it a technical director, like, I don't know, but he appeared to be the sporting slash technical director until he got suspended for the Galaxy. I don't know if you all heard, but Chris Klein—he's actually a former Kansas City Wizard. He's on—he's a legend. <laughs> he's on the wall somehow, and he was suspended this year because uh, the way the Galaxy signed striker—I'm sorry, winger Christian Pavone—they made him not a designated player when they were paying him designated player money. So they cheated, and because of that, the Galaxy are suspended from making any international transfers this summer. And then Chris Klein is suspended as a part of this as well. So he can't do those operations. So they turned his like sporting director job over to Greg Vanny. So for me, Jake Reed has nothing to do with the sporting side of the business. I think he is just the business guy. He's just selling tickets and merch and licensing agreements and things. So I think if you want someone to make a statement, like Chris Klein made a statement, his statement was basically, the way I read it is, not only did he say they're going to make the playoffs, but they're going to win a playoff game, that he would resign. So I think if you want someone to do that, it's going to have to be Peter Vermees. And I don't see him making that statement because he's got a five-year guaranteed contract. I don't think he's going to give that money up. What do you think, Sheena?
1: Yeah, he's not giving up his job. The one thing, every time I hear the name Chris Klein, I think of the American Pie actor. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I yeah, could see that. So
1: in my head, I keep thinking he has a part in LA Galaxy. So there's that. It is
0: not not the same Chris Klein.
1: <laughs> I know. Uh, but- <laughs> w-
0: what I will say, though, about uh, the whole Vermees or somebody making a statement, I do agree. There's a lot of sentiment out there saying it would mean something. Now, of course, some people yes. would be unhappy with this. If for me, not even saying he would resign, but just saying we acknowledge that the results are not good enough. We, you know, whether it's him, one of the many owners of the team and you know, that they're going to look to do something to change things that they can be vague. They don't even have to be that specific. Some people would still be mad if it wasn't specific enough, but I think it would, it would placate some people just knowing that this isn't okay. This isn't acceptable results. I remember in 2019 when the season was really going off the rails, uh, Matt Beasler, who was the captain at the time, wrote an open letter about that. He was actually defending Peter saying for those of you that want to fire Peter, you know, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what he's doing for us and how good he is and blah, blah, blah. So we'll see if anybody comes to Peter's aid again or if Peter makes a statement. I don't see it, though.
1: Well, that's what makes Matt Beasler such a great captain. And i don't I don't know that I would see Johnny Russell doing something like that. It doesn't seem like that would be his personality. I think Beasler is just like a very heartfelt person. I don't know what I'm basing this off of. Maybe that letter and some of the other things. I just watched a really sentimental video about the fans and how they got the sway going last night. If you watched the game on YouTube, you saw the video. I found it very touching. Yeah. So he has a It's soft on spot. MLS
0: season pass too. You can watch that oh, video about this way. Okay.
1: Okay. I cool. didn't know well, I the- didn't
0: know I didn't know it was called this way when they win the games and they go arm in arm either. and the cauldron goes arm in arm. Literally when it happened, I remember Mike Kuhn saying, Did we know this was called this way? Like and he Mike Kuhn <laughs> we call him Micopedia. He knows so much about sporting. He has like spreadsheets the teams wish they had, probably. All right. Next I question on what the list.
1: Hash- Wait, hold on, I forget what the hashtag was, but it they wanted us to hashtag and I did, and it's like I think it was stay for the sway or something like that. And I was like, we're not winning games. So there's no swaying happening.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So I I did see, you know, I posted after the game, like I need to see this more often because they they went and did that at the uh, down by the cauldron. But it also kind of looks sad because the stadium was so empty and the cauldron was so empty. I get it. Like, it would be hard to pay your money on a Tuesday night against a fourth division team that you should crush. So anyways, we move on. All right. Our next question is about A piece of news we haven't told you about yet. Sporting Kansas City signed striker slash winger Stephen Afrifra. He is their first round draft pick from this year out of FIU, Florida International University. He had gone back to school to finish off his collegiate career there before coming to MLS he signed a contract today, just guaranteed through this year, but there's options for the next three years. And the question we got is from Happy Rock Casuals at Happy Rock Casual. That's a supporters group. Is a free Fra the better move over Dwyer? I lean yes, but I want your thoughts. For me... He's a wild card. I don't know anything about him. Is he going to be good? Hopefully, right? If you go spend the eighth pick on him, hopefully they saw something in him. But the team does not have a lot of success in the draft. We actually, I told you all this months ago when we were talking draft, the last good draft pick that the team had that was really a star was Dom Dwyer in 2012. So they really haven't had anybody since then that was a star. Now there has been, you know, minor contributions, you know, guys like Graham Smith and stuff, but he never even was like a starter for any extended period of of time. So I don't know. I think Dwyer at 32, if he came, he'd be a band-aid. I think we talked about this pretty detailed last week. Hopefully, a free for his potential is much higher, but Dwyer's the second all time leading scorer on this team. So he may have rend- rekindled that magic. And there's no guarantee that Dwyer doesn't still sign. Sperry said when he tweeted out the news that this does not preclude Sporting from making another move. Cause do you trust him to be your backup striker? I think we saw by Eric Tommy coming on and playing striker. And Peter mentioned Gotti Kinda can play there as well. They're probably set at the position, but who knows? Sheena, I think you were stalking Dom Dwyer's social media. Is that accurate?
1: Yes. Going back to Happy Rocks Casual, I had no idea they were a supporter's Thing. I thought it was just a person and that was the name of the, their Twitter account so that's fun that I just learned something new. That's, no
0: that's why you're casual hey they're called yeah. the Happy Rock Casuals you should probably be a member of the Happy Rock Casuals
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes well Happy Rock Casual let me know what I need to do to casually be in your supporters thing but anyways yes I am fascinated with Dom Dwyer right now in the last podcast we talked about our thoughts on him coming back and the more I thought about this, like the more I want to see him here on this team. And when I saw Stephen Afrifa sign today, I was like pretty bummed because I was like, oh, I'd kind of got it in my head Dwyer was coming to Kansas City. And then I had some hope because I've been stalking his Instagram and the whole time he was on trial last week he wasn't posting any stories and I don't like keep up on him like nonstop or anything. But typically I'll see like a couple a week and I'll watch him. And then of course, when he was here, I was stalking and there was nothing. And then yesterday he finally had his first like Instagram story. And uh, he was back in either California or Florida. But then today he's back in Kansas City. So to me, I feel like if you are in Kansas City right now You don't post about it unless you know you're getting signed because otherwise that's just really sad. But I had a thought for you, Chad. Is there a situation where maybe he doesn't sign with Sporting Kansas City, but he signs with Sporting Kansas City too? Because I don't know if they need a striker, but it sounded like you said they might need one. not saying he should be on it because I think it would be a little weird considering I think him and Benny are friends or they were when they played together. I think it would be a weird dynamic, but I had that thought. Like if they don't have the space Based on sporting for him, maybe he goes to the second team.
0: I cannot see that in a million years. I I don't see I it happening. Either. Absolutely not. Okay. To your point about posting stories, I bet he was just, he took a bunch of photos while he was here. I know that we saw him in practice on, well, not we, people at the KC Soccer Journal fad, he saw him in practice on Monday. And then he was out of town because like you said, he was back in Florida or wherever on Tuesday or Atlanta, I don't know, somewhere with palm trees, as you said, in the background, somewhere in the South, probably. And he probably just had a backlog of pictures. So he starts posting them because he'd been on a social media blackout. I don't know.
1: But I feel like it would be, I think it would hurt your part. If you're posting that stuff and then you don't sign to the team, like I would think if it were me, like I would want to pretend that trip never happened if I don't get signed. Well, I mean, we we wrote about
0: it. We wrote about it. The Kansas City Star wrote about it. It's not like the hardcore people knew he was here. The more casual fans, maybe not. Maybe they weren't aware of it and they would have been surprised if the signing was announced. But the people that are kind of deeper into the know, the people that are, you know, spending time on websites and message boards and and cauldron facebook page and stuff like that they, they knew he was around so either way i i would say his ego is going to be a little hurt from it but you know it is what it is you don't always make it and there's a reason he's probably not signed to any team right now
1: there's one last thing i wanted to say on the dom dwyer thing and this was a something we we brought up on the sunday podcast is you had brought up this theory about it could be a marketing ploy and so i wanted to test out your theory a little bit And I posted on our Instagram and actually our podcast, Spotify, you can ask questions like, do you want Dwyer to come back? And surprisingly, a lot of people were okay with having him come back. So didn't
0: wasn't the number one vote getter, though, if there's no other option.
1: (laughs) um, No, I mean, I think it was tied with they wanted him back. And if there's no better option. So he didn't lose. I think the casual person would take him back. I've had people comment about the stuff I've been posting about Dwyer kind of excited. So. I think I think it's a nostalgia thing. I don't think outside of the hardcore fans who are probably listening to this podcast, but the casual people who don't listen to to podcasts or read stories or anything, I think there would be some excitement because they probably don't know what he has been up to since he left the team So I think it's like you hear a familiar name and you're like, oh, yeah, those were good times.
0: Yeah, there's definitely something to that. And basically, I just want this team to do well, whoever it is, whoever ends up on the field, whoever ends up playing. I kind of thought Kyrie Shelton would get into that game against the fourth division team because that
1: was shocked. He wasn't wasn't
0: on the bench, I don't even think. But it seemed like the opportunity because we were joking Kyrie only scores the fourth goal in the Open Cup because last year against Dallas and against um, Omaha, he came on and scored the fourth goal in each of those games. So I thought that was kind of funny, but you know, he could have been, he could have been the fourth goal had they put him on. Right. All right. We got one more question. I think Sheena it's, you have it from Instagram.
1: Yeah. It's a question for me specifically. I did not write who I didn't put down who asked me it. So I apologize. And it's somebody who comments on stuff all the time. So I apologize to the person who asked me this. Uh, But the question is, If Polito lives up to his price tag by the end of the season, does that change your opinion of him? So if you've been following me during the games on Twitter, I have not been... I think every recap I do. You're is a hater like,
0: is what you're saying. You're a hater.
1: Yeah. I, okay. So I'm not a hater. I like Polito, but he is not living up to his price tag. And so as of now, where it stands, I'm, I'm happy for him that he got that first goal out of the way against a fourth division team. But he needs to be scoring a lot of goals because we're paying him a lot of money. So if he does that, I'm cool with it. Even if he doesn't get as many goals, but he is involved with assists, I'm cool with that. So as of now, it just depends on how he plays for the rest of the season to determine what my thoughts are going forward on him. I don't mean to be a hater on anyone, but if you're not playing well, I'm going to call it out. That's just what I'm going to do. I yeah, just I'm should still be called you- out, by the way.
0: Yeah, no, I th- I think that's fair. I think he's still kind of rounding into form. Hopefully this game starts to give him that confidence back. He's shown glimpses, glimmers, if you will. All right, it's time for the digital crawl, y'all. We got a couple quick stories and we're going to get you out of here. Matt Crocker was named U.S. soccer sporting director. He's going to replace Ernie Stewart. Uh, The U.S. men's national team coaching search is now going to kick into gear because they're waiting to hire a sporting director to make that hire. He comes over from Southampton to the Premier League. He's a lot, had a lot of jobs over his years, a lot of jobs that mean nothing to me, but a lot of like youth development and things, which seemed good. I don't know. I don't know anything about the guy, but saw a fun Kansas City-related stat. Crocker, in his press conference, said he started his coaching career in Arkansas. I was actually born in Arkansas, so there's a little connection for me. And he coached in Lewisburg, the Lewisburg Legends U-12s in Lewisburg- kansas i thought that was super random that he was like living in america he's english living in america and coaching a u12 team in kansas small world next story sporting kansas city too they lost over the weekend three to two to fc cincinnati too they basically lost because there was this horrific pass by andrew draper he's been really good but he made a pass he's like the left winger he was back in his own end and he passed it weird cross into the box and was stolen and Into his own box, I should say. And it was stolen and scored off of basically immediately. Obviously, they gave up two other goals. A big part of them struggling, I think, was they had no sporting Kansas City players down on loan, which they've had that pretty much every game. And then they were missing Ethan Bryan, who we talked about, Sebastian Cruz and Mo Abunabi, all who got into the US Open Cup game the other day. So I'm not going to read too much into it. A lot of games to go in the MLS Next Pro season. In our last digital crawl story, I don't know why I put this one last. It's kind of a downer to end on. Mallory Weber, we told you about her the other day. She left. She had returned. She'd been gone for over a year. She came back and she played in the game for The Current and she retore her ACL. So she had just come back from a torn ACL. She played like 30 minutes and tore it again pretty, pretty tough. She's going to miss the rest of the season. And, you know, that who knows, that might be the last time we see her in a Casey current uniform because, you know, you get two ACL tears, you become kind of a risk. And that's really sad because she seems to have a lot of good friends on the team. And I think Haley Mace has called her her best friend on social media. Sometimes you see these players kind of pair off a little bit on social media with their, their buddies on the team. i um, really I'm really heartbroken for Mallory. All right. If you have made it this far and you aren't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Tell all your Kansas City soccer friends, give us a listen. Just search for the Glory KC wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, go on Spotify. Give us that five-star rating and review. Go to Apple Podcasts. Write a review. If you want, we can read it unless you tell us not to. <laughs> you can follow us on all the social media sites at for the Glory KC on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Email us for the at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at play for 90. And here's Christian Leo with Write It Like You Mean It. Take care, everybody.
1: Bye.